Jeremiah, but just before I get in trouble, Jeremiah chapter 1, verse number 5, God's talking to the great prophet Jeremiah. We looked at a couple of incredible prophets this morning, most specifically spent our time on Elisha. Jeremiah is another one of God's incredible prophets of the Old Testament. And God told him, he said, before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. Anybody want to stop and think about that for a minute? Before your mom and daddy ever knew anything about you. Before time ever began, before you ever thought on this planet, before, before ever you were in the belly, I already knew you. Before thou camest forth out of the womb, I'd already sanctified thee. That means that you're set apart for a purpose. Sanctified is to be set apart for and holy use. That means that God said, before you ever came forth from the womb, y'all pay attention because this is all going to cycle back around. Before you ever come out of the womb, I had already set you apart for an intended purpose. But then he says that I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. That means that before he was ever born, God had a plan in place for his life. Now, turn a little further to Jeremiah chapter 29, if you will. Just a few pages over chapter 29. I'll give you just a minute. I want to look at verse number 11. I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you an expected end. So, there in chapter 1... We, we see an expected beginning with a complete plan in place. And then there in chapter 29, we see an expected end. Now, if you would, I want to go to the New Testament. Turn over to the book of Ephesians, chapter 2. I, I want to look at what the New Testament says about our lives. That, that's what God specifically told Jeremiah. I have a plan for you. Before you were ever born, I knew when you'd be born. I put a plan in place for your entire life, and I have an expected end and all that. That means every step is ordained in his life. Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 1. I'm going to have to pause real quick to make sure that we notice that second word right there. It says, and you. Now, who's he talking to? Whoever's reading that. God used the hand of the Apostle Paul to write an original letter to the church at Ephesus. He used scribes and recorders throughout the time, the portals of time, and over all of history for more than 2,000 years to record, to bring it back so that you and I can look in the book and that God can say, and you. This is about you. This ain't about Jeremiah. This isn't about Elisha. This isn't about Abraham. This says, you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses, and sins. Now, if you're not saved, then you can take you out of that equation. He's not talking to the lost right here. He makes it very clear that he's talking to the saved, the born again, the redeemed of the Lamb of God, you who were dead in trespasses and sins. Ain't nobody even going to shout right there. That, that, that was me. Dead in my trespasses and my sins, that was us. Where in time past? You walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, and the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, and the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, 
even as others, but God. you got to love those two words. Who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ by grace, ye are saved. Raised us up together, made us sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the look now, ages to come, that's generations, that, that's eternity. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Jesus Christ. Let me ask you a question. Has God been good to you? I mean, in your past already, has God been good to you? On the day that God saved you, was God good to you? Is God good to you today? What that says is we ain't seen nothing yet. God says there's a time coming we just think he's been good, that he has got some exceeding riches that he's going to pour out for all of eternity. For by grace are you saved through faith, and the not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. We didn't earn one cent of it. Nothing we can do can earn one cent of it. Everything that we do now, we don't do to earn anything. We do it because we love the one that loved us first. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained. That we should walk in them. That's not Jeremiah. That's you and I. I want to look for just a, a few minutes at living life on purpose. God, thank you so much for being so good. God, if you never showed us another drop of love, we couldn't show you. Thank you for what you've already done. But God, I pray you'd help us, Father to live our life pleasing to you, to live life on purpose. Give us the strength. Give us the vision. Lord, give us the ability to live life according to your perfect plan, your perfect will, your perfect way, that people might see Christ in us, that souls might come to be saved, that, that the lost might see Christ and know that there is something out there that they need and they can see it in us, God. I pray you take just this few minutes and teach us something, God. Help us to be a better servant for you. We love you, God. You've been so good to us. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You guys can be seated. Most of us have lived our life. I say most of us. There may be a handful that you've avoided, but I'm pretty sure I could probably say the majority. But I'll leave it at most of us have spent some portion of our life looking for all the answers in all the wrong places. We've gone to the wrong places, hung with the wrong crowd, done the wrong stuff. We have looked for joy and happiness and all kinds of things. Brother, you just talked about it. We've looked in all kinds of places. People have looked into a bottle looking for joy and happiness, and all they do is dull their senses for a few minutes, but it's a matter of time till it wears off. People have looked at all kinds of drugs. They looked at things you can put in your mouth, things you can put in your arm, things you can do all kinds of ways. They've done everything to try to find happiness, to try to find what this world says will bring you happiness. And, and they put all their time and investment in it trying to find happiness but just like the alcohol it doesn't take long to know that there is no solutions there a lot of people and some of them don't even mean to they end up hung up on prescription drugs especially if pain is involved you get on some narcotics and before you know it 
one day if, if the pain medicine starts wearing off and the pain comes back and there begins to be this fear of if I let the medicine wear off, then the pain's going to come back. And we dread the pain so much that you keep taking the medicine, but then there becomes a dependency on the medicine. There becomes a dependency even after the pain, even after the problem. People wind up addicted to things. They're, they're looking for answers in all the wrong things, so they just keep on taking it. But sooner or later, no matter what somebody tries, reality is still there. Life is, is still there. In any case, the world and the devil will lie to you. In, in the case of things, and some of you can, can relate to, to what I'm talking about, the devil will tell you, oh, man, you, you go out to the bar, you go do this, man, go have a good time. That, that's what the devil calls that. Go, go out and get high on something. That, that's what the devil says. Oh, that stuff will give you a good time. No, that stuff will make you sick. That stuff will leave you dealing with more problems than you had before you started. People do things to dull the senses. They do things to try to escape from the problem. But it's not going to get you out of it. It's just going to delay the inevitable because that's going to wear off. And now you've got more problems. Now you're hung over and you've got less money than you already had. So the world said, hey, you do those things for fun, but the reality is all that's doing, we can medically prove that all that's doing is destroying your health. All that's doing is destroying brain cells. All that's doing is destroying your life. It's destroying relationships. It's destroying everything around us. The things that, that the world has to offer may dull the senses for a time. But the problem's going to be waiting on you when it wears off. All of these things that people try to hang on to are simply crutches. They're simply crutches to try to get through some hard times. You know what amazes me? Several years ago, Ted Turner, owner of the Atlanta Braves. Y'all ever watch the Braves when he owned them? Y'all ever see him sitting in the stands? Well, in his penthouse, whatever it is, a drunken slob, multi-millionaire, I mean drunk as a skunk, he'd be red-faced at the ball game, you may or may not know, but he, somebody asked him about Christianity, he said, that's just a bunch of weaklings. Christianity is nothing but a religion for the weak need to survive. It's just a crutch. They need something to lean on to help them hold their self up. I would rather be leaning on this crutch than on Jim Beam. I'd rather be leaning on the word of the living God that won't ever fail than hanging out on a Jack Daniels bottle. Don't talk about crutches. They ain't nobody ever had a bigger crutch than the one he had. His crutch is alcohol, and he thinks that's his good time. But I got news for him. His alcohol and his money all ends at the gate of hell, and eternity sets in. Well, that was all free. A, a crutch, a crutch is something that's used to support the lame in walking. That's the definition. Used to support the lame and walking. God never intended for us to be lame. God created us for, for a full life, for a happy life, for, for a complete life. And he sent us Jesus Christ, his only begotten son. But then he sent us the comforter. He sent us the Holy Spirit to live in us, to lead us and to guide us, to help us find joy in this life. Every one of us, in, in the day, we knew we were missing something in life. Is there anybody in here, before you got saved, you did not know you were missing something? 
you looked for it and everything, but you were missing something. You didn't know exactly what it was, but the reason people try so much stuff is because they're missing something. All of us was missing something. We just didn't know what it was until the day we met Jesus Christ and found out that that something was more than enough for everything. For many of us, we weren't raised in that kind of home, that kind of environment. Some of you may have been, but, but I think probably most of us weren't. We were, we were taught about Jesus. We were raised in a church home. We were carried to church. We were taught about the things of God. But then when we got older, we were kind of like the prodigal son. That's just a bunch of rules and regulations. I'm sick and tired of people telling me what to do. I'm going to be my own man. And before you know it, we're out there on the run. It's not that we didn't know any better. It's that we chose wrong. So we ran out and we tried the ways of the world only to come back broken and empty. The world will use you up, chew you up, spit you out, and not lose a minute's sleep over it. It doesn't matter how wicked somebody may be living. It's not that God doesn't have a plan for them. It's that they're not living in the plan. God has a plan for everybody. If they stay on a lost path, then obviously the Bible says that leads to death and destruction. That, that leads to hell. And that's where they'll wind up for all of eternity. But that's not God's plan. God said to us in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, The Lord is not slack concerning his promises. Some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward. Somebody in here has got a praise right there in that, that he is long-suffering, very patient, keeps on waiting, keeps on reaching, keeps on calling, keeps on loving, keeps on protecting, keeps on giving us a chance. He is very long-suffering. I thank God that he is long-suffering. He had every right to kill me a million times, but instead he protected me and kept me alive long enough to get me saved. He is so good. If God were to, I've said it before, it's just a simple fact. If God struck me dead right here, right now, and sent me to hell, he'd be perfectly just in doing so. I've already done enough. But God said, I love you too much for all that. It's not my plan that any should perish. Long-suffering to us were not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Unfortunately, we don't have to be lost to be living outside of the will of God. Now it's going to get quiet on Sunday night for just a minute, but we'll get past it. God has a plan for us to be prosperous in the work of the Lord. Not one amen. God has a plan for us to be prosperous in the church. God has a plan for us to be prosperous in building the kingdom. We are the tool that God will use to reach the lost. Just like somebody reached us, God used somebody to reach us God is planning for us to be prosperous, to use us for his glory, to add to the kingdom, to tell others about Jesus Christ. God has a plan for us to be able to live our lives in such a way that people can see Christ in us. The Lord told Jeremiah, I know the thoughts that I think towards you. Thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you an expected end. The Apostle Paul said in the letter to the church at Rome, chapter 2, verse 11, there is no respect of persons with God. 
Acts chapter 10, God has sent Peter to the house of Cornelius, the Gentile there. But Peter in chapter 10, verse 34, opened his mouth and said, Of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. Just like God had a plan for Jeremiah, God has a plan for everybody sitting right here. Just like before Jeremiah was ever born, God knew him, Jeremiah knew every one of us. Just like he was sanctified, set apart for a holy purpose, there was a plan for his life, there was a plan for ours. Just like there was an expected end in his, there's an expected end in ours. God has a perfect plan for all of us. But just like God had a plan for him, he had to choose to live by the plan. Just because God has a plan for us doesn't mean we're living in the plan. Some of us make a lot of mistakes. Some of us miss the plan. So before we're ever born, it says that God has predestined us to good works. So God already has a, a, a life planned out that will be fulfilling. Yes, it will be challenging at times. Yes, it'll have some things in to grow us, to grow our faith, to grow our strength, to draw us closer to him, to drive us to our knees, to put us closer in prayer. But, but at the end of it, God is, is always faithful. All of his promises are always rich and full. We are designed to live within the confines of God's love, the confines of God's grace, the confines of, of God's mercy. The reason so many people are miserable is they're not living within God's plan. I'm not just talking about the lost. I believe this. I don't, I, I'm, I'm not going to try to take any kind of theological approach to prove this, but I, I believe this with all my heart. There's not a more miserable person on this planet than a Christian living outside the will of God. The most miserable person is not the one sitting on the bar stool right now lost. The most miserable person is the one sitting right now on the bar stool saved and he knows he ain't where he's supposed to be. The most miserable people on this planet are the children of God that are trying to live their life outside of the plan. God has a plan. A lot of people in the church, and this isn't the lost world, we, we're, we're just with us right here. People are, are saved. They're on, their, they're on their way to heaven but they still want to guide all their own decisions. Does that make sense? They, they don't want God telling them how to do things and do things. They want to be saved. We, we want fire insurance. We, we just don't want God directing everything. They, they want to be involved in the things of God. They just don't want to be all in. You know what I'm talking about? How, how many of you like breakfast? Y'all like breakfast? Y'all like, like breakfast for dinner? Man, breakfast on time, ain't it? Y'all like eggs and bacon? Woo-hoo. That's people going to the Waffle House on the way home tonight. Bacon, egg, and cheese, biscuit. See, there's your difference in being involved and being all in. In your ham and eggs, the chicken's involved, but the pig's all in. Some of you's going to get that in a minute. See, that, that's kind of the way it is with, with Christians. Some people, they don't mind being involved every once in a while. They, they don't mind laying an egg every once in a while. But surely you don't want me to be all in. Surely you don't want this to be my life. Well, yeah, that, 
pretty much exactly the way God has it. God has a plan, and he wants us to be fully involved in that plan. We are designed by God to live within that plan, and within that plan is where we're going to be happy. Within that plan is where we're going to flourish the most. I want to be careful. I want to explain that word flourish real quick. Within that plan doesn't mean that's where your bank account is going to be the biggest. Within that plan doesn't mean where everything's going to go right for you. Within that plan doesn't mean that everything goes just absolutely perfect and all your days are, are filled with lush meadows and running streams. There's going to be problems, but what it does mean is that within that plan, God's bigger than the problem. Within that plan, there's grace to carry you through. Within that plan, there's answers to where you have none. Within that plan, there's God showing up, making a way when there is no way. In the center of God's plan is where we're going to live life, the absolute happiest. question for each of us is, am I living in God's perfect plan for my life? Or do I even know what God's perfect plan is for my life? See, not every minute of every day. God gives us his plan one day at a time, one step at a time. I, I, don't, I don't think I'm a lot different. I might be a little weirder than most of you, but not a lot. I, I would like to know what God's plan for my life is right now. Would you like to know that? I, I, I don't mean just right now. I, I want to know the whole picture. I, I want to know. I, I don't want to have to just hope. I, I want to know, God, you're going to let me stay pastor of this church a long time, ain't you? Because I love this. This is, this is the best thing that's ever been in my life. I mean, serving God is the best thing that I have ever had. I, I want to know how long is it going to go, how long is life going to be. I want to know what the end of things look like. I, I, I want to see I, I see, I see the end of it. I ended up, I end up in heaven. I, I end up in the throne room of Almighty God. I see the face of the Lord Jesus Christ, my Savior. The song says he takes me by the hand. And leads me through the promised land. Oh, I can't wait for some of that. I'm a little curious about filling in the dots right here. There's some things between now and then that, that I'd like to know some things about. But see, God doesn't give us a map and say, I'll meet you when you get there. Let's, let, let's say you and I, 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 I need something and we're going we're gonna to go do something. Let's, let's think, of, I know a place that needs some help. Detroit, Michigan, they need help, don't they? We're going to go to Detroit, Michigan. And, and I say, hey, meet me there at this place and at this time. But see, here's what I don't give you. I give you a route. Here's the map. I need you to leave here. I need you to go this way, get to Detroit. I'll meet you there. But if you're like me, you're wasting your time giving me a map. I ain't going that way. I mean, I argue with the map. They don't, Robin, my witness. I put something in and my phone will be driving. It'll say, turn left, right, go on. She said, it said, turn. I said, I ain't paying no attention to that thing. She's like, what did you put in your phone for? I said, obviously, that thing don't know where I'm going. I know where I'm going. I don't know why I put it in. So if somebody gives me a map, I already, look, I know a faster way. I, I know a shorter way. I know a better way. I mean, if we're going to Detroit and you give me a way that goes through Nashville, I'll go ahead and tell you, I ain't going that way. Anybody been through Nashville? That is a God-forsaken traffic situation. I don't care what time of day it is, you ain't getting through that town without losing at least an hour of your day. I'm thinking, I ain't going that way. 
But see, here's the deal. If I didn't go the way according to the directions, what I didn't know was that along the way there were some people there that I was supposed to help. There were some people there I was supposed to offer a ride to. There was even some people there that I was supposed to, y'all ready, bring with me when I got there. But I didn't go the right way. So God doesn't just say, now you're saved, I'll meet you when you get to heaven. That's not what God wants to do. God wants us to walk with him every single day day get up in the mornings and seek God's will for today God doesn't just want to give us a road and say hey I'll see you when you get to heaven God has already laid out a plan and in that plan there are people there for us to help and there are people there to help us glory to God thank you for them there are people there that we are supposed to bring with us I don't want to show up in heaven without the ones that God put me here to bring with me I don't want to be praying for the lost and show up in heaven with some lost people still here that God had for me to go by and visit, but I didn't go that way because I had a better plan. All I'm saying is that God has a plan in our life. God's not going to give us the entire plan for now. God wants us to trust him right here, right now, in this minute, being God's will today. So the question is, am I in God's plan today? Am I doing what God would have me to do? Am I in the right place, living according to the will of God right now? Or do, even, do we know what the plan is? We, we can't know that if we've not spent time in prayer. We, we can't know that if we've not spent time reading the Word of God. Some people say, well, how, how can I know that? Well, we ask God. We ask God, what, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to do? See, it, it's one thing to turn away from the past. Anybody turned away from your past? Thank you, God. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I, I don't even know where any of those people live anymore. The people that I used to know their number, this is going to amaze the young people. We did not have cell phones. We didn't have numbers stored. I knew their numbers. Of course, I had to stand attached to a wall, beep, 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 and stand there and talk attached to the wall because I couldn't go anywhere because I had a cord. I mean, the greatest thing I thought they ever did was cordless phones while I wasn't glued to the wall. Now we've got computers in our pockets. We, we knew people's numbers. We knew everything about I don't even know where they are, and I'm not saying that's necessarily a good thing because the last time I saw them, they were still on their way to hell. But then again, so was I. And the same grace that got me to here is the same grace that can be extended to them. I'm just telling you, there's a past back there that I don't miss. There, there's things back there I don't, I don't want to go back to. It's one thing to turn away from the past. It's one thing to turn away from the things of the world. It's one thing to turn away from drugs or alcohol or anything that the world had back there. But, but it's a whole other level to walk with God on a daily basis. Turning from the past is one thing. Having a home in glory is one thing, but walking with God every day is a whole other level. It's a whole different story. Jesus said in John 10, 10, he said, The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life, but you got to love it, that they might have it more abundantly, not just a little bit, not just get you by, not just enough to get you there but an abundant life. The devil's main goal for the child of God is to steal your joy, to kill your life, and to destroy your testimony. He wants to take away everything that is godly, but Jesus has already defeated the devil. 
Jesus has already defeated the enemy. And when we're walking with God, the enemy has no power against us. Isaiah chapter 54 says in verse 17, No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. Every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. If we're doing all we can do to walk with Christ on a daily basis and live within the perfect will of God, Make no mistakes about it. You will attract the attention of the enemy. If you're trying to walk with God, if you're trying to spend your life daily living according to the perfect will of God, don't be mistaken, don't be naive, and don't think that the enemy does not have your number. The more you try to walk with God, the more the enemy wants to tear you down. The more you grow in the things of God, the bigger the bullseye on your back is going to get the more the devil's going to want to take you out. But he has no power. Job said, I can't, I can't do anything about him. you got to hedge about him. Right? He, you got to hedge about him. He, he's praising you because you got to hedge about him. He's got all that stuff, and I can't touch him. If you just let me touch him, what did we just read? God is no respecter of persons. He has the exact same hedge around you and I that he has around Job. The devil can't put one spot of his nasty, filthy, worthless finger anywhere on my posterior except God allows it. And if God allows it, then God's trying to shape me into something. It's, it's part of the plan to get me in the place where God wants me to be. Ephesians chapter 6 says, hey, don't sweat it. Get up every day and put on the whole armor of God. Just put on the breastplate of righteousness. Spend a little time in the throne room of grace that you might obtain mercy. Spend a little time in the Word of God that you might be filled with wisdom. Spend a little time with the one that has the hedge of protection around you. Put on the armor, and if the devil still wants to pick a fight, pick up your offensive weapon and say, In the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, get off my back. Get out of my mind. Stop whispering in my ear. Get out of my car. Start singing the name Jesus. Something about that name, Jesus. He won't be able to stay around you. This is the offensive weapon, the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. Just start reading this. He can't stay with that. Start quoting what you know. If you don't know it, get it out and read it. Turn your phone on. Do you, how many of you know that your phone will read the Bible to you? You can pick different voices. Some of them will put you to sleep. Some of them you can't understand unless you're old English. But some of them you can. Turn your Bible on in your car. Put it on your phone and Bluetooth it. Have you do that stuff. You get the Word of God moving. The devil's got to flee. He can't stay in the presence of the Lamb of God. So it's not that the devil's not going to come after you. It's that he has no power against you. God says, I have a plan for you, and I'm mighty enough to fulfill that plan in you, and I'm strong enough to protect you while you're in that plan. I'm great enough to fulfill that plan. And when it's all said and done, and you complete the plan, when you get here, I will have accomplished a lot of things along the way. A lot of people will have seen Christ. You're going to bring a lot of people with you in your testimony of Jesus Christ. So a lot will be saved, and here's the craziest part of all of God to me, and I'm going to give you the rewards for it. What? I'm a sinful, broken, no account, no good for nothing, ought to go to hell sinner, 
saved by the grace of an amazing God who's going to find a way to use filth and do something profitable. And when I get to heaven, for everything that Christ did, you're going to give me a reward because I told people about Christ. That's the God that we serve. That's the God that has a plan for our life. And the plan is to prosper us. The plan is of good and not of evil to give us unexpected end. The question is, what is God's plan for me right now? Then you ask God right now. But we don't ask God, what is, what is the plan? What does the plan look like down the road? No, tomorrow morning, wake up. Good morning, Lord. Thank you for another day. Thank you for a place to sleep last night in out of the cold. Thank you for being so good. God, we're about to start a new day. I want to be in the plan. What's your plan for my life? Help me today, God. I just want to walk pleasing to you today. And all throughout the day, as often as you can, talk to him. See, here's what God does not want to do. He does not want to give us the plan right here and say, there it is in heaven. What God wants to do is take us by the hand and take us to where we're going. Every single day, he wants to take us along the route. Oh, we got somebody over here we need to tell about Jesus. All right, man, we got somebody over here we need to be a blessing to. See, we're bad to do one or two things. You go ahead, God, I'll catch up with you. I got a couple things I want to do. Or, no, no, God, God don't operate like that. God wants to operate like this. Monday morning, God, take me by the hand. Lead me in your plan today. And any time you get a chance, break out a little word, turn it on your phone. Y'all got all them little things in your ear and all that high-tech stuff. Put something good in it. Not all that garbage that the world puts out there. Monday night, thank you, God, for today. Thank you for using me today. Thank you for helping me get through the plan today. Tuesday morning, good morning, Father. Thank you for another day. Thank you for a night's sleep. Thank you for a house to sleep in. Thank you for, for a cup of coffee that I'm about to go get. Thank you, God, that there's breakfast. There's some, some fully involved pigs, and I'm going to go have a ham, egg, and cheese croissant from the Burger King. But most of all, thank you that you have a plan for me. Help me to live it today. Wednesday morning, good morning, Father. Thank you for being so good. Thank you for loving me in spite of me. Thank you that all my sins are washed away. Forgive me where I failed you. Cleanse me of every evil thought and every evil deed and anything that would separate your Holy Spirit from filling in me right now and making me usable vessel today. Use me today. Show me your plan today. Walk with him all day. Go to bed. Thank you, Lord, for today. Thursday morning. You, you get the picture that I need to keep on going. Every day, God, what's your plan for me today? That's how we get God's plan. It's not the long-term picture from in the beginning to amen. That's the story. That's where it began, and that's where it'll end, and we are victorious in the end. But there's a much greater plan on how we get there. The, the, joy, the joy will be in the end, but the greatest joy is in how we get there. We can be a tool in the hand of God right here. In this life, in spite of all my failures, in spite of all my mistakes, 
I'm still a tool in the toolbox of God that he can still reach in and use to adjust somebody's loose bolts. Isn't God good? God's got a plan for you. He's got a plan for me. God's got a plan for Faith Baptist Church. Nothing, nothing has ever caught God off guard. God's got a plan. And I believe the closer we get to the plan, the better life will be, the better church will be. Somebody talked about churches, churches being 60% empty today and post-COVID and yada, yada. Somebody talked about, well, some all people, they just want to build a big church. I'll be honest with you. I want to see every seat in this church full. I'm telling you straight up, if you want to know, do I want to see this church full? Yep. Do I want to see this church not big enough we'd have to build a bigger building? Yep. But don't miss who I want in here. I don't want nobody from one other aquarium swimming in this tank. I want us to reach the lost. I want people sitting on these pews that as of today, they are on their way to hell. I want us to be the ones to tell them about Jesus Christ. I want us to be the ones to reach out and be a living witness, a living testimony. I want us to be the ones. Somebody came to where we were and told us about Jesus. I'm here because somebody invested in my life. I want to invest in somebody's. God wants us invested in somebody's. I want God to use us for greater things than we can ever imagine. I want God to use us to reach this town. He's alive, not a play. He's alive as a portrayal of the truth. I don't want He's alive to be everything that determines who we are. I want that to be a piece of who we are. There's a whole lot of people can get saved by the word of our testimony between now and He's alive. There's a whole lot of people out there that just need to hear about the time when we were broken and God picked us up. When we were lost and God came to where we are, when we were the prodigal and we were in the pig pen and, and God allows. You know, the great thing about the prodigal, it doesn't matter how long we run or how deep in the mire we get. God is always happy to welcome us back home. We can't ever get so far out of the plan that God won't bring us back in. We just got to go back to where we got out, get back in and go back to work. I'm excited about what God's got planned for you. Excited about what God's got planned for us. I just believe that God is going to do great things. Living life on purpose, it may have its challenges. But there is no greater life than the one that God has planned for you and I. Amen. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads just for a minute close your eyes. I don't ever like to close anything. I never know if somebody might be lost. I don't ever want to close anything without offering Jesus Christ because we have nothing else to offer but the blood of Jesus. If you've never been saved, it's all up to you, Lord. I am a sinner. There must be confession of your own lips. I'm a sinner, and I'm asking you, Lord, to come into my heart, forgive me of my sin, and save my soul. It's not lip service. It's surrendering your heart. It's giving everything to God. It's being like the pig. It's being all in. Lord, I want to be all in your word. I want to be all in the family. I want to be washed in the blood, and I'm asking you to save my soul. If you've never been saved, you can do that tonight. You can do that wherever you are, whenever you're hearing this. It doesn't even have to be tonight. God is always faithful to save. For those of us here as children of God, 
I'll pray for you if you'll pray for me. We pray for each other. God, help us to be in the center of your perfect will. That's a daily prayer, God. Help us to be in the center of your perfect will. Don't want to be left. I don't want to be right. I don't want to be in front. I don't want to be behind. I don't want to be anything more, but I sure don't want to be anything less. I want to be dead in the center of the perfect will of God. Help us to be that. Father, thank you so much for being so good. God, thank you for these people. God, thank you for these, the sheep of your fold, God, that that we can come together as one, that we are the body of Christ through the blood of Jesus. Thank you, Father, that you have a plan for us. Thank you that your plan involved the day when we accepted Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. Thank you, Father, that the plan involved you using us to reach somebody else, our family members, our friends, those that are lost and on their way to hell, strangers we've never met, God, that you can use us to tell them about